Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Barocco and I'm joined this week by Stephen Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. Uh, Gitto can't join us this week for personal reasons, which is disappointing. Um, you'll, be, you'll be gutted, Steve, won't you? because there's a lot to go through, not particularly uh, not mentioning the, uh, the games of the last couple of days as well. We've got a few games to get through. And uh, no shortage of controversy, and I know Gitto would have loved to get his claws into this and uh, analyse the bigger picture. Um, are we style? Are we substance? So points on the board at this stage. We've got all of those things to talk about and more besides. But let's get straight into it. Last time we spoke was after the Huddersfield game, so we've got a few games to catch up on. First of all, was uh, Coventry and um, one again, Steve, that we talked about just getting back on track and making sure that Huddersfield thrashing uh, didn't turn into more of an issue down the line. And the reaction was good, I guess, on the whole, in that the football wasn't delightful, but we were solid and we kept Coventry quiet and we got the win that meant that we didn't have back-to-back defeats and start worrying about uh, long-term implications. Yeah, I think it was a a typical Swans win, really. It wasn't... uh... An entertaining game. It was, you know, fairly dull, really. But we we frustrated the opposition. We kept them quiet for large parts, and then, despite really not creating a lot, we got that one chance, and uh, Cabango headed it in, and it was a, a well earned three points. Uh, certainly an important one as well, because, as you say, after the slip up at Huddersfield, really you want to get back on track quite quickly, and um, you know that's what we did. Um, so, and like I say, a routine win for us, really, where. Despite we, the fact we haven't played very well, we've we've dug it out again and uh, put three points on the board. I remember we were talking about these two games, the Coventry and Bristol doublehead, and it was a bit of we weren't all agree, in agreement over which fixture would be the tougher. Um, and I was a bit worried about the appointment of Nigel Pearson at Bristol City, and unfortunately, it turned out to be the case um, in a game and confession time. I mean, I've only seen the highlights because I was working nights and uh, I slept through a walk up a quarter to five. So I just about woke up in time to see injury time uh, tick away in Bristol City to get their um, their third. But but Steve, you watched it um, for the most part and you saw uh, what was actually probably over the all the fixtures we're about to analyse. Um, the best performance and the solitary defeat. So it just goes to show that football is... Uh, a bit of a prick at times. It's a strange game sometimes, isn't it? As you say, we especially the first half was probably the best we played in, you know, a good few weeks really. But um yeah, we we just didn't obviously get the the result from it. We had we had numerous chances in the first half and we we didn't take them. Um I thought Bristol City on crap, if I'm being honest with you. Especially in the first half, they were terrible. They could have been down to ten men with uh a guy who was on a second yellow, um, then got away with it with one. He got subbed uh, soon after. But then obviously we've gone in front with the penalty, and um, you know, in this early in the second half, and you're thinking, well, you know, things are looking good here because obviously we don't concede many. But you know, we sort of got done with the type of wins that we've had, where Bristol City didn't do much, and the chances they've created, they've they've taken. But I mean, we've conceded poor goals there. Really, I mean, we've given the ball away for the first one. Second one, I mean, direct from a corner. That really shouldn't happen, should it? And then the third one, obviously Woodman has, has been caught, hasn't he? And he's been charged down. So, yeah, it was a, a, a strange one, really, because 
it's the type of win that we've had against a lot of other sides, but obviously uh, we got Swansea, didn't we? So yeah, and they can happen on occasions, but it was a a bit of a strange one, and I suppose it, it was frustrating because you felt it was undeserved, and it probably gave us a, a taste of the medicine that we've uh, been dishing out. Yeah, it was confused feelings afterwards because, of course, it was a return to something like the performances we hoped to see, but. Uh, the game that didn't bring the result we would have hoped from either Bristol City, um, we were speaking about the other days. It's just such a um, tough fixture for us historically, Steve. Uh, we don't really tend to do well against them. I know we had that absolute mole in that 7-1 um, back in the early days of the Liberty Stadium. Um, but that aside, it's not usually a, a happy hunting ground. No, Um they're not our favourite opposition. I think that's a fair comment. I mean, we have had some wins down the years. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I think I was having a discussion with someone. I've been to Bristol eight, eight times to watch us. And I think in six of them, we haven't scored. And there's only one win in there. So away certainly isn't great, I think. At home, it's a bit more mixed. They have had a few wins at our place. I think we obviously we have beaten them as well. But yeah, they're, they're not... I, I think if you tallied up the certainly the fixtures between the two clubs since... Um, I've been watching the Swans, that they've definitely had more wins than than we have. But, um, yeah, it was uh, certainly frustrating to to lose to them, wasn't it? I mean, you, it, should have, it was a game, really, that we, we definitely should have won. And, um, yeah, they're, uh, they're probably not a side that I, I look forward to playing, really, because, like I said, they do seem to have a better record over us than we've got over them. Yeah, um it is tough, and you know you've got form then of win loss, win loss over the four games. She's starting to look a little bit ropey for for a team that potentially want to look at automatics, certainly playoffs, but automatics is the goal. Um, so once again, you're looking at uh, response. Um, so if you had to rack your memory to go back to Coventry and Bristol City, you certainly won't have to rack your memory for what we're about to talk about, which was. Um, some fantastic build-up to this, by the way. It's a stat that came out, which was absolutely like jaw-dropping, that uh, the last three Swansea wins happened exactly 20 years away, uh, away at Stoke. It happened exactly 20 years apart, and we were in the 20th year again since we'd last done it. So if you believe in fate and all that, then you would have thought, well, here we go, fourth time in a row. And so it was to be, Steve, but that's not even a quarter of the story, is it? I mean, this game had a lot. Uh, it's only trumped by the game we're going to analyse after it, but this had a lot of the bones to unpick. And, uh, I, well, let's start from the start. I mean, a rare mistake by Mark Gehi, uh whose cross-field ball is cut out by a brilliant flick by Stephen Fletcher. And uh, and Powell puts uh, Stoke one 0 up. We're only four or five minutes into the game, and you're worried because, as I said, our wins against Stoke away don't come very often. Um, exactly the start we didn't want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're always thinking when you go away from home, don't concede early, whatever you do, and then try and grow into the game. Really, so to to blow that early on really wasn't great, was it? I mean. Obviously, Gray, he's, he's made a mistake, but i got to be honest, I didn't like some of the comments that I saw online, people sticking the boot into him, because 
everybody does make mistakes. Um, he has been arguably our best player this season. So I thought to see him getting stick was quite disappointing and I, th- I thought very harsh, really. And if you look at the, the goal as well in a bit more detail, I mean, I think that the other players didn't help because if you look at the options, there weren't really many. Obviously, he's gone for the, the cross-field ball. I mean, the, he could have passed it back to the goalkeeper, but considering we have three defensive midfielders on the pitch, I didn't really see any of them drop in for him to try and give him an option, which is what should have happened. So I I really don't think it is just down to Gray, but either way, it was a disappointing goal to concede. And obviously, um, it does give you an uphill task then straight away. So it, it wasn't uh, great, was it? And it, I think... Uh, well, how can I put this? We always feel like we're not like Stokes a bit of a bogey for us, and when you concede that early, um, you're not confident that um, you're going to turn it around, really, are you? No, well, you're not, and um, and you're just thinking then, well, is this just going to be a, the sort of game which we rue uh, year in year out against Stoke? Um, whether it's a large slice of luck that they get as they did for the opener, or a controversial refereeing decision. Well, there was to be one, which we'll come on to in a little bit. But in the meantime, uh, the reaction was good. And uh, Ryan Manning, in a rare start for him, uh, swung a ball across the box. And uh, and Conor Roberts acrobatically uh, poked it past the goalkeeper, um, which was a fantastic finish. And really, he's he's having his best season in a Swansea shirt by some distance. And he's growing into a player who is now, I would say, undoubtedly Premier League standard. And these are the sort of things he can offer attacking-wise. He's as good as any fullback in this division. And I, I, I can't think of anyone else I'd rather have. And he's shown it again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he was everywhere, wasn't he, really, the other night? Obviously, for the goal, that was a standout moment. It was a, a great finish, wasn't it, from uh, Ryan Manning's cross. But... He just seems to pop up everywhere. I mean, there were situations in the game where, you know, you'd look at the there'd be a, maybe a cross into the box and there'd be AU would be in there and the only other player in there's Connor Roberts and you're thinking, well, so surely someone from midfield should be getting in there. But I mean, he covers so much ground. It's it's ridiculous, really, isn't it? With uh, Connor Roberts, I think we're we're very lucky to to have him. Really, um, he sort of plays like the fan, doesn't he? With this never say die attitude and um, yeah. You know, and it's it's not just that. Obviously, he's got a lot of quality as well. But yeah, he's he's definitely been one of our best players this season, and uh, I would say that was one of his best games as well um, at Stoke. Tactically, I mean, there has to be something in it, Steve, because uh, our our wing backs are in the box more than our midfielders. So it almost feels like when we're on the attack, we're playing four up front, where it would be a AU and a low. And the two wing-backs then, one we crossing for the other. So it does feel like, tactically, the midfielders are almost told to cover the ground that the wing-backs uh, leave as they bomb on. And uh, Manning, you know, he made a big statement as well in that game. He was popping up all over the place. He had a few pops of goal. Um, he was unlucky with a few efforts. One just went inches wide. Um, but a statement made by him, too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's not had much of a chance this season, really, is he? So, I think he... I, I did see some stats, really, regarding Manning the other day. That for full-backs, he'd created more chances than um, than anybody else last season by a long way when he was a QPR. So, I mean, you're thinking... I think he's been quite unlucky, really, that he hasn't had uh, much of a go. I certainly think Bidwell, in the, you know, the last few weeks especially, hasn't been especially good. I don't think he's been awful, but 
I think Manning's unlucky that he hasn't had more of a go. And I think in that game, really, he showed that he should uh, should get more game time. Um, he did very well. He's one of our better players. And he, had a few, he offered some uh, good shots from uh, outside the box as well, didn't he? It could have been... He was probably our, one of our other big uh, threats on the night. So I would say that that was definitely one of the more encouraging aspects of the night. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And... Um... So the second half came about and uh, Stoke made a couple of changes to try and freshen things up. Uh, Ex-Leeds youngster Jack Clark came on and um, looked to uh, cause some problems. He did cause problems. He also liked to throw himself to the ground quite a lot, Steve, which made the uh, the irony of what was to happen in deep, deep, deep into injury time all the sweeter as uh, as... And they're rare, I have to say, uh, foray into the box. Certainly in the last 10 minutes, it felt like the game just wasn't. We weren't going to be able to carve open that chance. We didn't look like we could just get that last chance. And um, and watching it back, and obviously being a Swan son, I'm, so I'm sure everyone listening has as well. You know, I've watched it back from every angle 20 times. And it's some very clever play by Connor Roberts, who, um, who signals in for the pass to go inside of him. For, uh, for Norton to run into, so and he blocks off the defender covering, and um, and, and and then Jack Clark who's chasing Norton into the box, and Norton gets his body across the front of the midfielder, and contact or not, he goes down, Steve, and <laughs> the ref appears on first glance to look like he's given a free kick the other way. His arm is starting to raise, pointing upfield. And then he turns around and points to the penalty spot in a bizarre uh, twist of fate. He's awarded the Swans a penalty in the 95th minute and utter delirium in Susan households across Swansea. Yeah, it was... Well, I, I still can't really believe it now. I mean, it, my first thought was that it's, it's not a penalty. And then you see the replay and you think, well, we've, uh, we've definitely got away with one year because I don't think there's any contact at all, really. I think Norton's just... Just gone down. Maybe it's in an act of desperation, thinking, "Well, we're not going to do anything here. If I go down, uh, worst comes to the worst, I'll get booked." Or if um, the, we might be able to con the ref, and um, and that's really what happened, isn't it? So, yeah, amazing to see him give it, and then you're just thinking, "This would just be an amazing win," because I didn't think a draw was necessarily a terrible result for us, and it's, it's probably the fair result as well, if we're being honest. I think we, in the second half, certainly towards the end of the game, we were pushing for a winner more than we usually do, which was encouraging. But then to see him give the pen, I mean, you, you can't believe it, really. And, um, you know, AU's run-up was quite nervy, as it usually is. But um, Mr. Cool um, stuck it away. So, yeah, a brilliant win. And, and let's be honest about it right now. As, as much as it, we did get a bit of luck, I haven't forgotten that Stoke had that ridiculous penalty in the last minute down here a few years ago. All that Victor Moses um, dived to win a pen up there. All that Joe Allen scored a winning goal that was clearly offside. So... I think if we were going to get a bit of luck, it's long overdue that it was against Stoke, a club I don't like very much, and one that have screwed us a few times. So I have no sympathy whatsoever with him. I uh, I think it was long overdue. If you said if you said to me, um, how would you like to beat Stoke? I would actually say I want to I want to screw them over because we've had it done to us, and it's a horrible feeling that you you don't get what you deserve and you you feel cheated. And we've done it. We've had it that feeling plenty of times in the past and um, I want 
you know, as nice as it is, is to batter teams and win comfortably two or three nil. Uh, it's a nice new feeling at the moment in the Swansea camp that we can shit out our way to win and uh, to screw Stoke out of it um, after, as you as you rightly point out, our history with them is uh, is probably the nicest way to do it and and actually make them really bitter and angry in the meantime. So um, we're getting a bit of a reputation, aren't we, Swansea? We're not particularly the most liked team. <laughs> Long has gone the days where people had Swansea as their second team. Um, now it's very much a case of everyone's gunning to get us down. Um, so you very rarely see a ref almost change his mind mid-decision uh, in a game, especially a massive last-minute decision like that. And that was one of those rare occasions. What you certainly didn't expect to do is see the same thing happen again 72 hours later. Um, so, obviously, we have to talk about the game against Middlesbrough, Steve. And... Um, after what was a fantastic, unexpected win against Stoke, uh, tails are up and you're thinking, right, Warnock, before the game, he starts with the mind game, Steve. He starts talking about the Stoke, talking it, saying it's embarrassing, saying it's disgusting, etc. And, um, yeah, he is one for mind games, Warnock, isn't he? And he likes to try and point score before a ball is kicked, maybe get in the ref's head that any... 50-50 decisions shouldn't go the way of the Swans and maybe influence um, using the dark arts in that manner. Um, if anything, if we look at the big decisions in the game, uh, it didn't work for him at all, did it? No, it, um, it definitely didn't. I mean, I, I didn't really like that from Warnock, uh, sticking his nose in, first of all. Yeah, OK, We, I think... There can't be many people listening to this that think it was a penalty. Okay, it, it wasn't. Not for me either. But, I mean, he shouldn't have been sticking his nose in that. It's like he's trying to play mind games, as you say, as if to say, look, they've had a dodgy decision, you're a ref. Make sure you don't give them one on uh, the weekend. And, um, yeah, as I'm sure we'll get on to, um, there were one or two uh, questionable decisions, weren't there? But, um, again, like with uh, with Stoke, Warnock's a man who chooses to screw over. So, uh Again, I hope he had a very, very enjoyable journey back to the northeast. <laughs> exactly, exactly as Stoke. I would like this way to beat a Neil Warnock team as well. Um, screw him over, make him bitter, angry, and get himself in trouble. And all of these things is what's happened. So, in an uneventful first forty minutes, I think that's being kind. Middlesbrough came closest with a near post effort that uh, Woodman somehow managed to. Uh, turn around the post. I don't think he knew a lot about it, to be honest. He came off his foot and went wide. Um, but apart from that, Steve, I think saying it's uneventful would be kind. It was boring, wasn't it? Yeah, it's um, it was, well, it's what we're like these days, if, if we're being honest. I mean, we don't play nice football these days. We are very much hard-working, like grind our positions down and make it difficult for them. And then we usually find a goal from somewhere, which is what happened again, really. I mean, we offered next to nothing, I would say, in the first half. But, um, you know, there was a mistake when there are two players going for the same header, it drops to AU and, and he's put it away. I mean, it's it's amazing how often we seem to be scoring from our first meaningful chance in the game, really. I mean, it's I can't believe it keeps happening, but it does. And, um, yeah, again, we had the lead end, didn't we, at the break, even though, if we're being honest, we didn't play that well, did we? We didn't, and um, we were talking last, we did a quite a lengthy 
piece last podcast about expected goals and and the implications of those reading too much into statistics and this is so often the case with us that we're clinical we take I can't think off the top of my head and I go back to the low misses against um, your Norwich's and Brentford's where they would have made us uh, draw and win the game respectively um, in those games where you think we've missed good chances but I could probably count on my hand on one hand how many times I felt that way in the in in recent months indeed this season uh, we don't miss good good chances we tend to stick them away and when we do this um batten down the hatches method of playing uh which when up until recently we had a ridiculously good defensive record and clean sheet record which was working for us explains the the expected goals i mean if you're scoring off your first chance and then you're you settle into win one nil and you're managing to do it week in week out then it's going to show a very poor expected goals column and again you saw it there Steve as you say created very little I, I couldn't even say when that ball came back in the box from I think it was Connor Roberts heading it back into the mixer um, you wouldn't uh, pop that down as an expected goal because it was two Middlesbrough players who were going for the same ball got in each other's way and uh, and I think it may have been Bowler actually who headed it back towards AU Um instead of Johnny Housen, who probably would have got there and cleared it away. And AU, if he lucks in, he lucks in. And he's got the ball there at an angle. He's smashed it across the face of goal. And it's taken the deflection off the defender at the near post. And it's gone in at the near post, beyond the keeper. So, as I say, you know, 99 times out of 100, that either goes right across the face of goal or the keeper saves it. But sometimes you just need that luck. And I think it's fair to say that passage of play brought us a bit of luck. But my God, our luck wasn't finished there, Steve, because in the second half, Middlesbrough came out and they came out to get a goal and we did nothing really to to repel their advances. I mean, we spent all of our time for about 40 minutes of that second half, 35, 40 minutes of that second half in our own half. And there was a graphic that came up on the on the TV that showed us having 0% midway through the second half, 0% in the Middlesbrough half. It, the way the game was going, we, we just didn't have an out ball. We didn't obviously have Jamal Lowe on the pitch because he's been rested, rightly rested. Um, but obviously he runs the channels. He gives you an opportunity to get up the pitch. Um, and without him, we were struggling, really struggling. And... You would have thought in that second half that Middlesbrough had scored a very worthy, delightful equaliser. Um, but it wasn't to be. And I think probably this is the biggest controversy of the game, Steve. Oh, it's got to be the biggest controversy. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't believe when the ref blew, if I'm honest with you. And I, I can't be the only one that felt like that. It was just a bit like... What's he blown for? And then obviously, it was to be fair, it's a great hit from Bowler on the edge of the box. It should have stood. This, uh, you know, I, I don't think you can you can say it any other way. So, yeah, for me, that's the big decision of the game that that the officials got wrong, and we we got away with one. Really, I mean, you know, I think we've all criticised uh, VAR this season. That's not something I'm a big fan of, and I think we're a bit lucky that it's not in our division because we would have been done over with that one for sure. So. Yeah, I think Middlesbrough have got the right to be aggrieved on that one. It was a very strange call by the ref, but uh, we benefited from it then, didn't we? 
Yeah, that was Paul that who, who, who scored the the goal that was ruled out as well, and and I think um, that's that's two bits of uh, unfortunate uh, luck that he had in the game. Um, must have thought it wasn't his day, but um, just to clear something up, I mean, there's been a lot of accusations that that Fulton died and he wasn't touched. Now there are several replays if you're interested in actually doing it before you throw crazy accusations about that Fulton died, you can see that whilst Balassi did poke the ball and get there fair and square before Fulton, in his follow-through, he does land on and put his body weight on Fulton's ankle. I don't think it was a foul because he's moved the ball away and in the second movement, which is accidental, he collides into Fulton. But Fulton doesn't dive. He gets hurt in the challenge. But I do think the goal should have stood. I don't think there's many people realistically who would say otherwise. But um, the ref blows before the ball is struck. And, I mean, when that happens, you've got all those permutations. And I, I thought last, the game before against Stoke, that the ref blew for the Norton penalty uh, a second too soon. And and that's where you get that indecision because I think he's blown and he's maybe thinking, I need to make a, I need to make a decision now. Do I give a free kick and book him. But if I don't think it's a dive, I mean, what, he, what perhaps in hindsight he might have wanted to do is just rule out any penalty and just let the ball trickle out for a goal kick, as as you see so often. Um, but having blown his whistle, he needs to point somewhere. He's pointed at the spot because he obviously didn't think at that moment that it was a dive and, and he had to point somewhere. So um, I feel like the same thing happened here as well. Like he's, he's blown his whistle and maybe had he given himself a second to uh, maybe think about it, but he, he's blown it while the ball's in play, and so the game has to stop. And um, and 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 that's the point really where Warnock's blood pressure started going up and up and up, and uh, led to what was a fantastic interview post match. Um, so yeah, they did get their equaliser uh, in in. Horrible circumstances from a Swans perspective. Of course, they brought on an ex-Cardiff player, uh, and when you know when that happens, you know you know you're in trouble. And uh, Mendes Lang was instrumental in the equaliser, who, who slipped it inside to Morsi, and um, his shot took a cruel deflection off Fulton beyond Woodman. And you're in the 91st, 92nd minute there, and only a minute earlier, I was screaming, "When where on earth has the ref found six minutes from?" And obviously, when the ball hits the back of the net, you're torn then, aren't you, Steve? Because you are thinking, right, we need to hang on now because we've been absolutely dreadful. And the other half thinking, well, thank God there's four minutes left because it gives us an opportunity to at least try and get upfield again. Um, the goal was a cruel blow to us, though. Yeah, it was. Um, I, To be fair, I was actually quite relaxed just because we're so good at seeing these leads out. And even when we've been under the cost, we usually find a way to make sure that we don't concede. So I was quite surprised then when they did score. And obviously, because it was so late in the game as well. But if we're being honest, we couldn't really complain because we'd not played well. As you say, the second half, we were very, very poor. Like the, the graphic that showed we'd barely been in their half was was abysmal, really. I mean, that, that would be awful if you're a team that's struggling, let alone a team at the top. So... You know, it felt like Middlesbrough were, were all over us. And like to see a Warnock team all over, it was not exactly encouraging. So, you know, we couldn't have any complaints, I would say. But as you say, it was a it's a big blow at that stage of the game because you think that, um, you know, obviously you're going to see it out. But, um, yeah, it got a bit more dramatic after that, didn't it? It did. Um, 
And we did bring Jamal Lowe on. I remember texting at the time thinking, oh, now it's 20 minutes left in this game, 25 minutes left in the game. Bring Jamal Lowe on now. I'm a, a, he's not got 90 minutes in. We keep flogging him, flogging him, but he can make a difference in short spells. Even if he is tired, he can come on, give us that burst of energy for a short period of time. Especially bringing him on against tired defences rather than starting him against fully fit and running defences. He's going to hopefully get a little bit more joy. And uh, he gets a little bit of the rub of the green down the right-hand side. He breaks away from his man. And um, and this is, again, a very rare foray into the uh, Middlesbrough half. And he cuts it back. And, and, and as the camera pans across, you're waiting to see where it comes to. And... Um, Bidwell is uh, is racing in on it. Who's um who's been who's been subbed on, and uh, he's got there before the defender. And you're looking at the 95th minute again, and it, once again you're looking at it, and he's got there before him. But once again you see, and I can't believe we saw it twice in 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 three days, Steve. But once again you see a ref changing his mind. But this took like four seconds, and he points for a corner, and then. Whether he's had a word in the year from the linesman or what, I don't know. But inexplicably, he's overruled his own decision and given the penalty. Now, I think I think it's fair to say it was a penalty. I don't I don't think really there's much contention over the actual penalty award, but it will rile Neil Warnock up to no end that the ref has given a corner and then three seconds later appointed the penalty spot. Yeah, it definitely will. I mean, if my first instinct was that it was a penalty. And then when he, he didn't seem to give uh, give it and he gave a corner, I was like thinking, oh, I'm sure that's a pen. But then obviously he, he did give it. So I think he got the right decision, but it would be annoying if you're on the wrong end of it, really, wouldn't it? But I mean, for me, it's it's a clear pen. It's, uh, it's a foul he's caught him. And, um, you know, we're there all over again, aren't we? Like Stoke and, um, you know, Ayu has, uh, has done the job for us again. But absolutely yeah, he seems to have, doesn't he? Because, I mean, you can't imagine the pressure, really, of a last-minute penalty because you know how like crucial it, it is. And it, you do quite often see last-minute penalties missed just because, you know, the pressure is, is so intense. I mean, I remember when we had with Andy Robinson years ago, I think we played Gillingham, and um, we dominated all game, and we were that was for a winner. And I think it got saved, and he's just absolutely gutted. Um, so you, you can never be certain that it's, it's going to go in, but... Yeah, he, he stepped up, didn't he? And these things just seem to be going for us, don't they? I don't know why, because we're, I'm not even convinced we deserve it. But we just, you know, these little things, we just seem to get over the line, don't we? It's it's bizarre, really. I don't know whether it'll carry on like this. But, um, yeah, we we did the job and another three points on the board. It's just incredible. Um as you say, the, the the way it's going at the moment, of the four games we've spoken about, the one game which we actually could pull a hat on and say that was a good performance was the was the only defeat. And the other three games where we didn't really turn up and we just barely scraped by, um, were were three wins. So football, it's a funny old game, but that moment, um, I, I think I remember end of last season playoff semis as well. Are you missing a penalty against Brentford? But I, when you when the stakes are high. It's it's painful, isn't it? I don't think there's many more painful things to watch than a last-minute penalty, whatever side you're on. No, I, I don't think so, because you, you know, basically, it is the difference between a win and a loss. Oh, sorry, winning a draw, a draw or a loss, they are. They're just huge moments, aren't they, in a game? 
And it, I think no matter, obviously, if if it gets missed, for example, you know the opposition team are going to celebrate it like a goal. And obviously, if it is a goal, but we know what what the feeling of a last minute win is like. It's it's unrivaled, really, isn't it? So, yeah, they're they're horrible. It's it's like sudden death shootout, really, isn't it? I suppose that's the the best way of describing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty much from kick off, couple of kicks around, and the ref blows up a full time. <laughs> And it was just, everyone was going to, well, I'm just going to get the popcorn out now and just watch this drama unfold because uh, for 11 men from, from Middlesbrough surrounding the ref and Warner trudging up to him and uh, screaming in his face and um, that's enough to get a rap from the FA. He'll uh, get in trouble for that because uh, it's a lack of control of his players and, um, you know, he'll get a fine for that uh, in itself. Um then what happened post-match, and I always think it's cruel of the uh, TV companies to insist managers do their post-match interviews, particularly in circumstances like that. But TV gold it was, because if he was on a fine for going on the pitch, he's on some ban now for what he said in his post-match interview. Yeah, um, I can understand he was annoyed. Um but I mean, I, I didn't like his comments about Manning saying he's deliberately kicked someone because I think that's crap for a start. Um, you, know, you can't also say that, you know, the because our manager's father was a ref, that that's influenced him. I mean, it's, it's garbage. And the, and the fact is, don't forget that our our manager's father is actually a Cardiff fan. So, you know, yeah, Mornock, it's, it's, it's what he does, isn't it? He, he loves moaning at refs, so... This was a golden chance for him to to moan at the ref, and um, again, like I said to you earlier, I, I don't have any sympathy because I, I just don't like the block. And as soon as you manage Cardiff, especially, then as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm happy for you to have endless misery. And uh, he had a miserable day yesterday, didn't he? And uh, I think that's great. That's beautiful. And uh, in no other manner would I like to be. I like to beat him every way possible, but the best way has to be to make him boil. And, and absolutely, his piss was boiling all over the place in that post-match interview. And I think he's, um, when he starts uh, implying corruption and bringing the game into disrepute and, and, and suggesting there's some sort of, uh, well, to, to say that Steve Cooper's dad is in some way influenced in the in the referee's room is, uh, is a phenomenal statement to make. And has been roundly criticised, by the way. Uh, only a few football Twitter accounts of teenagers whatnot have gone, oh, good on him. No, anyone in football has looked at that and gone, that's bang up the border. You can talk about challenges, the ref should have booked him earlier, he should have done this, he would have cut out that nonsense, the tactics were wrong, whatever. But to suggest some sort of corruption is it, surely going to land him in hot, hot water. Oh, yeah, you would have thought so. I mean, but. The only thing I would say is that our manager wasn't great when he said that was it Andy Wilmer had like a personal issue with us, and I was thinking he'd get like a serious dressing down for that. But I think all it was was a fine. I thought there'd be a ban for it as well. So you know, you you would expect a fine and a ban, but you you just never know, do you? No, it was um, probably the three-minute interview with Sky was probably more entertaining than most of the match. <laughs> in truth. Um, but it was worth waiting for. Um, absolute incredible um, to see um, 
Warnock in 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 that in that vein. Um, it's a man we love to hit. He hits us, Steve. I think it's fair to say. Ex Cardiff yeah, manager like as well. He, yeah, he, he doesn't like us. I mean, if you look at last year when he was quite bitter, wasn't he? After we beat them in the derby, and he was on about, oh, it wasn't that loud. It'll be much louder at the return game. I think he needs uh, a hearing aid. In truth. Yeah, it it just leaves us in an enviable position. Um, the context of yesterday's win was added to by the fact that Brentford's game was called off on Friday. It was due to be played on Saturday. It was called off on Friday for an outbreak of positive COVID tests in the Rotherham squad, who they were due to play. So that meant Brentford. We had two games in hand. Yes, they ended up effectively being one of them by default of them not playing. So we used one. So you'd have Brentford fans. I mean, they've been watching. It was on. It was on uh, Sky. It was on TV at three o'clock. You'd have had people watching. And it was almost an added pressure for us to get a result. And in the manner in which we got the result, it almost feels like, as you mentioned earlier on, you almost feel resigned to the fact, in a, in a positive way, that it is just meant to be. Because no matter what is thrown at us, and no matter how poorly we play, we seem to find a way to, to win the game. It does seem like that, doesn't it? Because you just think, you know, these there's a lot of things going for us at the moment. I mean, it might not carry on that way but it, it certainly feels like things go in our favour we we are good defensively I think we it is fair to say that but we just seem to find a goal don't we from somewhere to win a lot of games by that 1-0 score no, that, that hasn't happened so much in the last couple of games but um, that does seem to be our thing we, we, we still don't create a great deal but we usually just find a goal from somewhere so you do wonder, don't you? Is where is this going to take us? Because we are we're sort of the experts at it, aren't we? The you know the the ugly win, really. That's our that's our default. We haven't had many stylish wins. I think that's a fair comment. But it seems to be working for us at the moment, doesn't it? It does. It does. And and, and where it leaves us is in third place. Um, we're getting a bit comfy in the third and fourth positions lately. But we've always had that extra um, blanket of the games in hand. And we've got one in hand of Brentford now, who've inexplicably dropped to fourth over the weekend. And um, Watford, who are on a great run themselves, are up in second. It looks for all intents and purposes that the league title is wrapped up. Steve Norwich, 10 points clear. Um, we do have the two games in hand, which would could potentially bring it down to uh, down to five. Um, but that said, I mean that's not neither here nor there. I mean the the, the one that's being fought for to the nail now is that elusive second spot, isn't it? And what for the point ahead of us, but with us with two games more in hand is um, it's looking it's looking quite nice. Dare I say it at the moment? Yeah, I think it, it is starting to look like that. I would say that uh, you know I'm, I'm sure that us Watford and Brentford are thinking. Well, Norwich, uh, they're clear now. Our target is second. I'm sure, you know, ideally all, all three sides would, would love to win the title. But if they were offered second right now, they would take it. So I think that's where we're at, really. Norwich have got that that big lead. And, um, you know, it, it feels like it's theirs to lose, really. And that second space is, is the one that's up for grabs. It does, yeah. Um, 
I'll just turn a quick nose through now. The other news, um, after looking at all that, we'll quickly go on to um, Jordan Garrick, who's on loan. But we did talk about him a, a while back, about where well, he's gone on loan for the end of the year, till the end of the year, and he's actually um, out of contract in the summer. It felt like an odd decision to make, but we have tied him down to a two-year contract extension. I know you're a fan, and you hope that um, you'll have the opportunity to break into the lineup um next season. Yeah, I um I think that would be great. I think I've I've quite liked Garrick really from the start. I think there is something about him. I do also think he's a bit raw and he needed some experience. So you know I think he's done a right to Swindon from what I can gather. He's managed he's chipped up with a goal on one occasion. So you know I th- I think that was a good move for everybody really him going there and I'm you know you definitely wouldn't have wanted to have lost him on a free. It would have been poor business I think. Because he's definitely a player that even if he doesn't come off, that could well shift the fee. So, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that you you might get a chance here next season. I think it'll be difficult if we go up, mind. I think then he may end up out on uh, on loan again. But I think if we weren't to go up, then you know I think there's a chance we'd be playing a different formation because you just don't know how the squad would look like. And I'd, I'd like to think that it might benefit him. I mean, you look at someone like Ollie McBurney when he was here. He went on loan, didn't he, for half a season at Barnsley. And I think that didn't do him any harm then for coming into our first team. So <laughs> you'd like to think that's what the situation would be if uh, if we don't go up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another note on on Warnock's comments is that um, Cooper has ruled himself out of getting involved in uh, title tackle, as he calls it. Um, and uh, <laughs> his choice of words is funny. He said, "I." Uh, this, we are a classy club and I am a classy person uh, very very thinly veiled dig at Warnock's character which I think most in football will agree with Steve yeah I would have thought so um, yeah that's uh, that's the thing but I would say as I said earlier Cooper's had his digs of referees himself and they haven't been great so yeah I, I haven't forgotten uh, that either that probably wasn't great but you know, Warnock is, he's known for these things, isn't he? You know, I think when he went to Cardiff, he, he said, this is my type of club. And I think if Cardiff was a person, then Neil Warnock wouldn't be far off, would he? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was looking for the Swans, as we said, it's looking very, very nice as the table is looking at the moment. And we have a game midweek, we're Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, for the foreseeable um, Blackburn, six o'clock kickoff, and this one is away, Steve. And you have to say um, that it's got to be one that you would, again, you'd, you'd identify as the team that are looking to go up would get a win at Blackburn. They're not, you know, they're not any great shakes themselves. No, they're they're not. I mean, I think they've got more firepower possibly than we have, but. I think they did win yesterday, but they're not, you know, they're not a great side. I think on, you know, we've we've drawn there. I think haven't we on our last couple of visits two two on both occasions. So yeah. we've we've done all right up there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's sort of a, a difficult one. Really. I mean, there's there's so many games you can't expect us to win all the time. And I think the fact that we've won the last couple maybe gives us that little bit of breathing space. So I don't think a point would be, you know, a terrible result on this occasion. But obviously we'd be looking for three ideally so you know we'll we'll see what happens when we it's a bit of a tough spell for us now because we've got three away games and we've got this 
then we've got Luton on the weekend and we've got Bournemouth then the, the weekend after. So yeah, yeah, we you know, it's it's gonna be a grueling week. I suppose the good thing is that we've done you know, we're a lot of them then was I know they're reasonable distances, aren't they? But we're not going all the way up north for every one of them and then you know, because they can be pretty grueling. I think at least, you know, the others are, are a bit more down south. I'm not sure if that will make um a huge difference. But um you know, those long northern trips there, they're a bit of a killer at times. So, you know, at least there is only one of them in there. But, I mean, it's such a relentless schedule, isn't it? And as I've kept saying all season, things can change very quickly because the games are coming so thick and fast. So, you know, we'll we'll see where it um, where it takes us. But it's, I think Blackburn will be, it won't be an easy game, that's for sure. It is. I don't think with the way we play any game is going to be easy because we make it as as uh, as difficult to watch as we can. Really, it, uh, we don't look to blow teams away or make it comfortable for ourselves. So um, yeah, we're in for another thirteen or so games more of this. I'm afraid. Um, but you know, favourable referee and decisions we can do nothing about. Brentford fans on Twitter, shut up! You can't do anything about it. Stoke fans. If the ref decides to give us a penalty, that's on the ref. At the end of the day, your midfielder has been chucking himself about all second half, all over the pitch. He won you a few free kicks right outside our box. He wasn't touched any time. Any time. He didn't, you didn't complain about that. We called him a diving prick. Yeah, he was. And you would say the same about Norton. But the ref was being conned. So, you know, it's nothing to do with the Swans. And as Stoke fans, Borough fans... Um, Borough fans, Brentford fans, they're all piping up on Twitter. I heard someone <laughs> suggest they do a fund me, a crowdfund me, a Brentford fan, unsurprisingly, they're a delightful bunch, aren't they? Um, who suggested they pay Warnock's impending fine because he said it as it is about Swans. Um, they're very bitter, aren't they? I there's a lot of bitter football fans about after yesterday evening, Steve. Yeah, Brentford especially, they're they're a really funny one. I mean, they've added him for us for a while, haven't they? I don't know what it is with uh, with them. The, the strange thing is with Brentford, I think there's a lot to like about them. They do play this like nice style of football, and they're you know they're a club that are essentially punching above their weight. So I, you know there is some respect for them. They've got a lot of good players as well. But I mean, I, I don't like the manager much, and uh, it seems like that fan base of theirs has a sense of entitlement for a club which have not been in the top division for 80 years. So it's a, it is a bit of a strange one, really. There, I, I don't really get Brentford. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. So, I'd, uh, it would be quite nice if we pipped them to uh, a promotion spot. Yeah, and up until the last few weeks of last season, I was a big fan. I really wanted them to go up. Um, another eight years of misery wouldn't do me any harm for them. I would quite happily see that now. Um, very odd bunch. Seem to be trying to drum up some sort of rivalry, um, which probably says more about them than anything else, really. Uh, we're looking at the fixtures, Steve. We've just you know, touched on Blackburn, and we'll go back to that and, and talk about what we do. Uh, Luton follows it. But after that, you've got Bournemouth, as you say, away, which is going to be a, a very difficult game with them uh, looking like they, they, they're trying to fight onto the edge of the playoffs, even if even if I think Jonathan Woodgate is a terrible manager. Um, it's going to be a tough game. And then following that is the Cardiff game. So I, I'm looking at the first two fixtures we've got coming up, Blackburn and Luton, and saying, well, you can't predict the next two after that. And, and these are going to be tough games. But I, I, I really feel like four or six points out of, out of these two games is what we need to keep the pressure on. 
at the top of the table. Yeah, I think that's you know that's a fair point. We yeah, it, it does look like it's going to be quite a high total, I would say, to go up this year. You might be looking at about ninety points. So we, we need we certain we're probably going to need well, from four points, as you say, really from the next couple. We're probably going to be focusing like that, I would say. And every time we come on here now and go in right from the next two, we're looking at four points. You won't always get four points. You may well get six and some, but that's got to be the way that we. We look at it, I mean, if we keep doing that, then that will be enough to go up at all. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns, isn't there? I mean, it would be disappointing to think Blackburn and Luton, they are sides that are they're really in the, in the middle. You can't see them getting some sort of late run together to get in the playoffs. So, arguably, they don't have a great deal maybe to play for, but that doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, an easy game or anything like that. I still think it's going to be quite tricky and, um, you know, we're going to have to see how we get on. But, you know, you'd, you'd certainly say that we'd be targeting four points from these two. I think if we were to get four, then there wouldn't be too many complaints, would there? No, they wouldn't. Um, I was a big fan of Cooper giving Lowe a well-overdue rest, even if the Horahan experiment, which I hold my hands up, I've been calling for for a while, um, that he needs to you know, give Horahan a chance to play. It worked in the last few minutes um, against Stoke. Uh, it looked very exciting and, and, and like you say, we were pushing for a winner there. Uh, even if it didn't look like it would come, it, it looked more fluid up top and it made us look a bit more of a threat. Um, I think it's fair to say it didn't really work against Borough. The performance wasn't there. We couldn't get the ball up to about half. Borough dominated most of the game. Um, the territory just wasn't there. Hurahan struggled to impose himself on the game, which we see regularly from him I mean he's a goal or an assist in him every other game so you almost feel obliged that he features but um, he's a bit of an enigma isn't he Conor Horahan and uh, where he fits in because almost playing him gives you a real chance from set pieces but uh, you'd sacrifice some control yeah it's, it's all about balance really isn't it I mean I, I think Horahan probably hasn't been as influential as we maybe would have hoped I think you know there's no doubt in his ability but he can be quite quiet in games, but it's the fact then that he does offer you this goal threat, doesn't he? Obviously, there's always the set pieces, there's the long-range shooting and, and this type of thing. And he, he brings attributes that we, we don't really have, do we? I mean, there's, there isn't a lot of flair in this team. It's a very hard-working team. And if we're honest, we don't create enough chances and we don't score enough goals. So, But he, he's a player that sort of helps with that. So it's a difficult one. I think, as you say, it didn't really work yesterday, him playing like behind a striker so we definitely need to look maybe at what the the balance is in terms of what's best for us going forward so but I think in general you do want Hurahan in the team because if he doesn't play the goal threat that we offer is a lot less isn't it it is and with that I'm going to ask you how you would set up against Blackburn because I'm torn on this one yeah this is the thing I, I think we need to continue to rotate if I'm honest with you, so I would bring Ryan Bennett into the team, um, maybe for Cabango. Um, which I think, what else would I do? I'd probably move Hurahan possibly into Fulton's position to give Fulton a rest. I think that's how I'd look at it, because I think you need to rotate. I think Smith should stay in, because he's the one that's had the longer rest, because he was fit for a bit and didn't, um, mm. he didn't come back in, did he? Um I probably would bring Lowe back into the team then because he's had that that one game rest. So I guess that's how I'd be 
looking at it. I mean, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm almost torn whether we start low. I, I agree with the other uh, suggestions. I, uh, low is one where we saw, you know, when he comes on against Tyrone defenders, then obviously he's a threat. But he is so teetering on the edge of his own fitness levels at the moment. Well, maybe, that, do you reckon you play Whitaker then? I would like to see Whitaker. I would like to see Whitaker start a game and give him an opportunity. He came on against Man City. He's come on a couple of sub appearances later on, but I'd like to see him get a start. Um, just to see, you know, I mean, we saw against Man City, he knows where the back of the net is. He's, uh, he's obviously a talent there, but um, if nothing else, it just gives Lowe a little bit more time. And if it's not working then, um, and we need to get back into it, we can bring Lowe on. And I'd fancy Lowe more for the second half of a match if he comes on as a sub than if we start him. He runs himself into the ground in the first hour and we've got a passenger for the last half hour then. Um, Lowe is a fantastic player at running the channels and creating mayhem and stretching the game. I mean, that's probably his greatest attributes for us is, is his wide play. Um, and, and that works more effectively against the tyrant defence, as we saw yesterday. So... Um, I'd be tempted to give Whitaker a run. Um, Ariola as well. Uh, I know there's been, um, on a side note, there's been a, an announcement by him and the club about some um, old tweets of his going back some 10 years ago that have resurfaced. I'm not even sure the content of them, but I think they contain some offensive terms or phrases that he's uh, apologised for and the club have uh, apologised on his behalf as well. Um, can't see that being the reason he's not playing Ariola's got to have um, some game time while in Swansea isn't he Steve? Well I, I think that Cooper didn't want him that's the only explanation I can really think of now because I mean, he's not getting any sort of look in is he and it's almost as if to say did the was someone else involved in the decision making because I, I honestly don't understand it I mean we, we've been on about needing the to freshen things up and all this kind of thing. It seemed strange, but I got to admit at the time, because with Ariola, like he's rumoured to be like more of a wide player and this type of thing. Like we don't play with wingers. So where did he fit in? And it seems to be that Cooper doesn't obviously isn't that fussed on him. That, that that's the only way I can look at it. I mean the other comments about like you know him not being up to fitness because of the MLS season and this type of thing being like different to ours and obviously it doesn't start till April. So they were in off season. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, you don't sign somebody, do you? It's ridiculous because you don't want to bring somebody in who's, you know, getting up to speed. And by the time they get up to speed, that you're, you know, the season's ending. So I'm not sure as well. I mean, he played 70 minutes for the USA against Trinidad the day before he signed for us. How yeah, unfit was he? As well. You know, he scored a couple as well. You know, he, he couldn't have been that unfit. Yeah, I think Cooper just doesn't like him. That that must be the only explanation because you know it's. It's getting ridiculous now, isn't it? We need to freshen things up as well. And you think this guy seems to have a certain amount of pedigree, but um, it's not going to happen, is it? It doesn't look like it. And I do think sometimes, for the for the greater good, just having a fresh body on the pitch, someone who hasn't been flogged to death over the past six weeks, Ariola, Whitaker, these sorts of players, not only can they get an opportunity to show what what we've been missing out on, but also the player they're replacing, the, the Cooper's favourites, if you like, well, they get the break that they so desperately need as well, um, which means uh, in, invariably when they come back into the team, then they're better players for it. 
And you can't just keep flogging your players game in, game out. And sometimes you're better sacrificing a game and saying, right, you know, we're going to try something different this game because the four or five games after it, we'll benefit from them having a rest this week. Whereas you can't, if you play a week in, week out, you're not going to get anything out of them. They're going to be dead on their feet straight away. And we've seen that. We've seen that over the last few weeks with the likes of Jamal Lowe. Um, but yeah, you know, giving game time to the likes of Ariola and Whitaker, um, keeping their replacements on the bench. And if they need to bring them on, I don't want to be so big headed as to think that we, you know, we're sitting there with a Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench that can, you know, but certainly the players that Cooper trusts to make game differences, keep them on the bench. And, and if we need to bring them on, then we bring them on. Um, and, and as we saw yesterday, low, low came on and he set up the, the penalty. So, um, yeah, for me, we have to make two or three changes, but we have to, you know, make sure that we give in, um, the, the right players arrest as well and uh, maybe you know if it's not Jamal Lowe maybe it's Ayu's turn to um, to, to have a little breather um, he does he has come back into scoring form now which would be the wrong time perhaps to take him out of the lineup because he did go through a dry spell Steve and um, it's good to see him back among the goals yeah it definitely is I know some of them have been penalties but obviously he took the other one quite well yesterday as well so yeah, I think there may be a game where AU needs to be taken out of the firing line, but I mean you wouldn't do it um this coming week, would you? We certainly well, certainly wouldn't do it at Blackburn because obviously he's he set form and he's he must be feeling great right now having, you know, scored a couple of late penalties to win this game. So I think we need to keep him in, maybe for now. But I suppose the way to look at it would be and this hasn't happened often this season, but if we're a couple of goals up then Maybe we could take him off at that point, but that's not really the way that we play, is it? No, no. We rarely go looking for a second goal when we're 1-0 up. But, uh, you don't go looking for a first. <laughs> Football. Um, I don't think anything will surprise me anymore, this, this weird and wonderful season. Um, everything you thought you knew about the game has been proven to be utter bullshit. and We've been shown up to be the charlatans that we are. Uh, we, don't, we don't know what we're talking about. Um You'd, you'd assume that a good performance gives you the best chance of a win. Well, actually, complete shithousery gives you the best chance of a win if recent events are anything to go by. Um, what was your score prediction for Blackburn, then? I'm going to say one all. Okay. Okay. I am going to say... I'm Actually, I'm going to agree with you with that one. I think, um, I think we might draw it. Um, I normally go for a win, but... Uh, yeah, our recent performances perhaps have left a lot to be decided. Surely we can't keep getting the 97th minute penalties to get us out of jail, but um, we'll see. Are you interested in giving a rundown of Luton, or shall we wait until uh, the Blackburn gains out of the way? Um, well, we can talk a bit about Luton. I can't say I know a great deal about them. I mean, when we played them earlier in the season, I thought they were quite good. I think we scored early on, didn't we? And then we got another one late. To um to seal the win, but I I think Luton are not a bad side. I think they're they're in the bottom half. I mean my my general view of, of Luton is that they're a club that could do well the next few years. I think they just need they're waiting for a new stadium. So I think if they can just stay in this division until they get to that point, then they could be looking at getting quite big crowds, and then that'll give them a, a decent chance of progress really further forward. So I think that's the 
the situation that, that they're in. But it seems to work, doesn't it, with Nathan Jones and he's done well since going back. And uh, of course, Adrian Forbes is on the coaching staff, isn't he? Yeah, it's, it's weird how some people are suited to some clubs, aren't they? And, you know, we had a torrid time at Stoke, Nathan Jones. Um, the win, of course, that gave him a stay of execution. Steve, I don't need to remind you, was uh, was down at the Liberty last season. Um, but, uh, you know, he did go eventually and, uh, and went back to his uh, former club where he had great success the year before. And went back, and now he's he's got Luton, you know, firing again, and a uh, very respectful mid-table finish looks on the cards for them. Um, it's not going to be an easy game, and again, I, I would suggest we would be forced into making two or three changes uh, for this one. Um, I think this is the one I would have to say, particularly if we manage if we manage a draw against Blackburn, and it, we're not winning against Luton late on. We need to start really taking risks. Um, I don't think we can afford to not win either of the two games coming up. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say the same. I mean, we've, we can probably afford to say with Blackburn that we'll we'll take the point and then get. If it's the sick case of Luton, we need to try and push for a winner. Uh, I hope that's that's how we look at it. Anyway, I mean, also if we get the win at Blackburn, then maybe we can be at Luton and think, oh well, the draw isn't so bad. But yeah, we as we said, really four points needed from these games, so. That plays out with a, a draw at Blackburn, then hopefully we will push for that win at Luton. I think I said in the last podcast a couple of weeks ago, it's weird when you're at either end of the table and you're obviously battling for either survival or promotion. How different? Because if you are down the bottom battling for survival, then you're there by means of losing most weeks. So winning game after game after game after game is never going to be the case if you're down there. Unless you know you have some miracle turnaround, but it's always about just you know staying in games and nicking an odd win here. But when you're at the top, it's so difficult to get out of this division. And as you talked about the highest high totals you could expect, well, Brentford, Watford, us, and to a lesser extent, Reading, we're all egging each other on, aren't we? By winning, we're forcing the other team to go that extra yard to make sure they win, just so we keep our heads in the mix and. You know, you're having to go on some crazy runs of form just to keep in the mix, and and it's 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 driving this, the the points tallies up and up, and it's you can't really afford to have a blip. It feels like that, doesn't it? Because I think last year the points total was a bit lower for for West Brom, who had that final um, promotion place. So yeah, I mean, you get yours, don't you? Where it can it can vary. I mean, if you look at you know, various seasons in the Premier League, obviously the, the infamous 40 points always gets mentioned, it's never that much, but then you'll get other seasons where it could be nearer 30, I mean, we're looking like this is a season where you're going to need quite a lot to, to go up, I mean, you, you usually, I think, need more like mid-80s, but we could be looking at late, um, sorry, early 90s this year, potentially, so you know, whoever does get it is going to have to earn it, I would have thought, because it does seem like that total could be high, judging for how well everybody's doing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so give us a score prediction for Luton then. I, I'll start with a 1-0 win. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to do the same again. I'm going to say 1-0. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed. I mean, I'd take four points from them two games and then we come up to Bournemouth away and Cardiff at home. Uh, the opportunity to do the, a historic double that's never been done in the South Wales derby. Um, Cardiff, it's been widely reported. Have uh, have picked up forms spectacularly under uh, Slick Mick, 
and uh, he's in he's in position there now. Uh, I feel like um, he's and from all reports I've I've, I've read and, and seen of them, he's got them working at a level which unfortunately doesn't look like it could be sustainable. They look knackered and and and, and maybe he's running. Um, He's running them hard to get the the points on the board, but um, we'll see how it plays out. They had a very uninspiring draw against Huddersfield on Friday um, and uh, should have lost that game by all accounts. But um, it's a couple of games to go between now and then, so where Cardiff and Swansea are at the time may play into the importance of the game, but you never need an excuse for the South Wales derby, do you? So um, we'll talk a lot more about that in the next podcast of course um but that's it from us so uh thanks for staying with us for this long and from myself and steve it's goodbye from us bye-bye